It's time for Drive-By Theology with Dr. Steve Lawson and Todd Friel. Today's special Latin word is munis triplex. This is Lecture 20 of Drive-By Theology. Now you know why it's a dead language. Munis triplex, Latin for the threefold offices. Who held those three offices? One man and one man only, the God-man, Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, Dr. Lawson, we see that there are three distinct offices, prophet, priest, and king. Were there any men in the Old Testament that held all three of those offices? No, there was not. Not one? Not one. Melchizedek. He only held two, priest and king. And he was a foreshadowing of Jesus anyway. Yes. What about David? He was a king and he prophesied. No, he was not a prophet. He was uniquely a king who did prophesy. Okay, so that's a big distinction. Yes. He didn't hold that office. Only one held all three offices, Jesus Christ, prophet, priest, and king. To the Bible we go to see why it was necessary that we had one man as prophet, priest, and king. Jesus Christ is a prophet. He reveals God's will to us by his word and spirit. He is priest. He's our only mediator. He's our only sacrifice. He's our only intercessor, and he is the king of That's one of those words that a lot of evangelicals don't like these days. He has absolute authority over our lives, and the Bible proves that he had all three, starting in Deuteronomy 18, specifically verses 15 through 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is Moses himself prophesying that there's going to be a prophet from the nation of Israel in fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. At the end of those verses, the Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. That's back in Deuteronomy 14.25, give or take. Fourteen centuries before Jesus Christ, Moses rightly prophesying, there's going to be a prophet who comes who speaks the words of God. He will be the greatest of all the prophets, and he will speak all that God commands him. And they recognized it when he came, because he spoke as one with authority. John six fourteen. this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. John seven forty. some of the people, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Definite article, the the one great prophet who is to come. Demonstrating they understood yes. that a prophet was foretold. They were looking for this great prophet. How could they have biffed it so who badly? It would be the truth to them. Yeah, and they just kept missing it, didn't they? Yes. And I, before I get all critical about them, I would have missed it too. Certainly. I, I, would, have, I would have been chanting crucify him too. Yes, we all would have. Acts 3, 22 through 24, Peter quotes Moses going back to Deuteronomy, talking about Jesus. This is the long-expected prophet. But not only is Christ the prophet in that he embodies the fulfillment of everything in Deuteronomy 18, he is also a prophet in that he reveals God's will to us by his word and spirit. John 1, 18 says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, referring to Christ, who is in the bosom of the Father, 
He has explained him. Jesus is the revealer and the prophet of the fullness of God. First Peter 1, 10 through 12, John 8, 26, John 15, 15, all support the idea that Jesus is a prophet. Mark 1, 22, Matthew 5, 22. You could also take a look at Matthew 5, 28, 32, 34, 39, 44, 12, 6, 17, 12, 26, 29. Jesus Christ, definitively the prophet, but he is also a priest. A prophet represents God before the people. A priest represents the people before God. And is he just another typical sort of priest like the ones that went into the temple? No, he would be the one great high priest who would make intercession before God on behalf of his people And he would offer the one perfect sacrifice for sin on their behalf. One of those stories in the Bible that I'm sure Jewish people read today in Genesis, the encounter between Abraham returning from war and Melchizedek. I'm not sure what they would preach about that. Genesis 14, 8, we see that Melchizedek was king of Salem. He was a priest of God Most High. Psalm 110.4 says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Who exactly was the psalmist talking about? He was referring to the greater son of David who would come, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the book of Hebrews tells us that that was a picture of Jesus Christ himself, but he was a better high priest. Melchizedek was fine. Jesus is better. In fact, he was perfect and supreme. But it's important to note, though, that Melchizedek was kind of a one-off kind of priest. We don't hear a lot about these priests until the Mosaic Law, the Old Covenant, the office of priest was initiated. But it wasn't intended to be a priesthood forever because in 1 Samuel 2, 35 and 36, There's a promise that there's going to be a greater priest who arises who will abolish that office because he will, if you will, fulfill that office by being the greatest of all priests forever. It says, but I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul, and I will build him an enduring house, and he will walk before my anointed always. This is a promise that there's a greater priest to come. This is also a reminder that in the Old Testament, the office of priest was pointing to the need for a greater high priest. Was God preaching the gospel in the Old Testament? Yes, he was. This off, every time they saw a priest, every sacrifice that was offered, the gospel was being proclaimed. It was a fuzzy picture, but it was a picture nonetheless. Not only was Jesus our high priest, but he was also our sacrifice who was offered up for us. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Hebrews 7, verse 27 says, That Christ does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of his people, because this he did once for all, meaning once for all time, when he offered up himself. And then Hebrews 9, verse 12, And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So Jesus is the priest, the better priest, prophesied, pictured in Melchizedek. 
but also the sacrifice and also the mediator. First Timothy 2, 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews ten nineteen through 22 says that also. And Jesus, a very busy high priest, intercessor. In fact, he's doing that right now. Hebrews 7, 24 through 25, Romans 8, 34, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. What is Jesus doing right now? He's interceding for you. And if that doesn't cause you to just kind of go, wow, I don't really know what will, frankly. That's what he's doing right now. Jesus, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, but also his threefold office, the perfect king. The Lord promised that through David's line, a descendant would come and who would rule forever. He is the Messiah. Uh, Israel, when the nation was first birthed, did not have a king. Uh, Israel wanted to be like the other nations, and they pled with God for a king, and God then gave them a king. You know that that was Saul. But all this really was in preparation for the one who would come, who would be the king of the Jews, who would be the king of all the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Second Samuel 7, verse 12 and following, we read, When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you. This is addressed to David. There will be a greater son of David who will come forth from David's loins, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. This is a reference to Solomon. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Kind of a near-far sort of yes. prophecy. Yes. Solomon, but also the greater king, the best king from King David would come, King Jesus. And he is the only one, therefore, to hold all three offices. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, For a child will be born unto us, a son will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulder, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of that prophecy from Isaiah 700 years before they put a piece of wood over his head that said, King of the Jews. Those were Old Testament verses. Did they understand in the New Testament that Jesus Christ is king? Yes, in Matthew 2, 2, when the Magi came from the east, they came to Jerusalem, and they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They knew there was a coming king of the Jews. They said, for we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. In John 1, 49, Nathanael answered Christ, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And in John 18, verse 36, Jesus, as he stood before Pilate, answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Please note, he affirms 
He does have a kingdom, therefore he realized he is a king, but not just any king. He is the one great promised king, the king of kings. And just in case you need two verses for that, Mark 1, 14 through 15, Jesus himself said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, ask me into your heart. Oh, wait a second, that's, I would, repent and believe <laughs> the gospel, Jesus announcing his own kingdom. Okay, not walk forward. No, not, not sign a card, not make him your Lord and Savior. I'd make a decision for Jesus. Don't get me started on this. (laughs) This happens to be a pet peeve. Now, let's consider the implications of these three offices held by Jesus Christ and him alone. As we have seen with some of the other ologies that we've been studying, there tends to be a comforting aspect and a convicting aspect. Let's tackle these one at a time. The office of priest, how is this both a comfort and yet kind of scary. Well, it's comforting in this sense that Jesus is the greatest revelation of the truth of God to us. He is the great counselor. He gives perfect guidance and direction for our lives. All the treasures of wisdom and understanding are in Christ. And when he opens his mouth to speak to us, the great storehouses of discernment and understanding are given to us. That's very comforting. That is why we follow Christ, because he is always leading us in the right direction. But it's also convicting as well, because when he speaks, he speaks as with the sound of many waters, and he drowns out every other voice. He alone will be heard, and he speaks with great authority. Therefore, he must be obeyed, and we must give to him our allegiance. And if we do not, he will speak words of correction to us And that can have painful consequences if we refuse his word. And to the world, he speaks condemnation. Yes. Depart from me, you who work iniquity, I never knew you. That's that's beyond scary. And that actually should motivate us to proclaim with him, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. But it also points to the second office, our need for a priest. Well, this too is both comforting and convicting. It is comforting in this sense that Jesus, our great high priest, has made the one perfect sacrifice for sin on our behalf. Therefore, we have perfect and full acceptance with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of his perfect intercession on our behalf. Further, he continues to intercede for us at the right hand of God the Father. He is our great advocate when Satan accuses us of our sin, and he has never lost a case. And all those whom he represents before the Father, he has secured and keeps secure forever their salvation. This is also convicting in that by his sacrifice for our sins, we must now be confessing our sins to God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no cheap grace. There is no easy believism. And now we as believers in Christ must be continually acknowledging our sins to God on behalf of our great high priest. So it's very convicting that I must continue to deal with sin in my life, even as a Christian and even as a believer. 
It also confounds the postmodern who would say, you can have whatever priest you want to. Jesus says, uh-uh, no. I'm the only true high there priest. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one way to God. There are many roads to hell, but only one road to God. Let's talk about the office of king. Start with convicting. Well, convicting, he is king who has supreme authority over every soul, and he will damn those who do not know him as Lord and Savior. Uh, It is convicting that he is coming back at the end of this age, and he will destroy his enemies and cast into hell forever. Uh, those who have not repented of their sins and put their full trust in him. And he will be in hell forever, inflicting his wrath and vengeance upon those who have not bowed the knee in submission to him. And how does this comfort us? Well, it comforts us greatly because as king, he is king of providence, and he is overseeing and orchestrating the affairs of our lives and the circumstances in which we find ourselves He is king over the storms of our lives, and he has all authority to answer our prayers, and he has access to the storehouses of his riches in heaven. And when we call upon the Father in the name of the Son, the Son is able to mediate to us the sufficiency of all of our needs. And to the individual who would say, Jesus is my Savior, but this whole king thing, and being a bond servant, not so much. You cannot divide the Lord Jesus Christ. If one says they believe him as Savior but have not received him as Lord, the fact is they have never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not become our Savior until we bow the knee to him in humble submission and repentance as Lord. This was Lecture 20 of Drive-By Theology.